Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show with the host that just broke the top 10 of best pipe podcast hosts ever. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's episode, in Pipe Parts, you get a trip review of my trip last weekend to Jackson, Mississippi. And then my guest is uh, one of those journeyman pipe smokers, Dan Croxall. And uh, I had a lot of fun talking to Dan, so you get to hear that. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, if you are uh, under the age of the legal smoking age, wherever that is, you may not listen to this show, so turn it off right now if you're not. Okay, good, got it. And uh, also want to remind you, on uh, Pipes Magazine, there is a pinned post in the... Uh, in the forums of pipe repair and restoration people and it's free for them to go in there and post their business information on that thread and uh, so if you're in pipe restoration or repair or you know somebody is who is doing that please direct them to that thread so that we can get a uh, a good list of, of active valid pipe restoration folks that are uh, yeah available to uh, clean our precious little prize joys and our little friends that we call travel companions and life companions. All right. And uh, iTunes ratings and reviews are much, 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 much appreciated. So please keep those going. If you haven't done that, would be much appreciated. If you take a few minutes, hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review right there. All right. Let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, pipe parts. Uh, so I went to Jackson, Mississippi last weekend for the uh, 500th episode of uh, Country Squire Radio and the whole big party that went on. And uh, here's how my trip went. Uh, Friday, flew to Jackson, got checked into the hotel, uh, had a few things I had to do there and got settled in and then uh, went out, got something to eat and went to a place called PJ's Coffee, which the name looked familiar. And then when I got in, it reminded me, yes, it is. It's a, a chain of coffee stores, uh, coffee shops from New Orleans. Uh, they were kind enough and they allow smoking out on their patio. So I got a cappuccino and sat out on the patio and had a great cup of coffee. And then uh, a little bit later that evening, uh, some of us from out of town were invited over to uh John David's house for just a little quick gathering that ended up going a lot later than they wanted it to, but it was a lot of fun and of course got to, you know, got to meet some people that hadn't seen in a while and uh, got to meet uh, John David and Bo's wives and that was fun and I got to, you know, pick on them as they would pick on me with my wife, so 
revenge was um, served swiftly and consistently and uh, repeatedly. Um, and then that wrapped up. And then the next morning, the uh, festivities began. So when everybody arrived, there was a check-in table, and we all had badges that were pre-printed. And uh, so that was nice to have badges that everybody knew what their names were. And we got a uh, we got a little goodie bag, which was a Country Squire uh, tote bag. And inside that is a bag of... Uh, a three ounce bag of beans from the bean fruit coffee company. So already right up my alley, a, a little shot of uh, cat head, honeysuckle flavored vodka, um, a chocolate pipe. Yeah. A piece of chocolate shaped as a pipe, a uh, pocket jar. Yeah. One of those uh, pocket jars from the pipery with the country squire radio episode 500. I was there on it. And a button for the occasion for episode 500 of Country Squire Radio. And then a little tiny keychain size Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. Uh, so that was, uh, that was a lot of fun just to get the little goodie bag. Uh, inside the tin of the episode 500, I was there as a special blend that uh, John David created just for the event. And there's about uh, four bowls full in there. So. Uh, you know, again, giving everybody tobacco. Uh, then as the day went, as the day went, the, uh, the barbecue, uh, that was served right away, uh, the barbecue was served right away. And then we, uh, went into, <laughs> uh, went into the remnants of a Chinese food restaurant. That's two doors down from, uh, from the country squire. And that's where they had set up to record it. Uh, the reason they did that was because there was so many people that, reserved and uh you know uh rsvp'd and we paid 25 bucks and you know we got all these goodies and a barbecue meal uh, there were so many people that they had to move it over to the chinese restaurant uh and that's where the show was recorded from and it took a couple hours to do it uh before the show started though john david gave a wonderful little presentation about uh <laughs> about the city of jackson <laughs> and some of its highlights and some of its lowlights and uh and a little bit of history on the country squire so that that was a lot of fun um the show was recorded and then afterwards everybody was free to mingle and hang out in the shop or outside where they'd set up five or six tables and chairs in the parking spaces there was a uh, bluegrass band that played for a couple hours and then everybody else was just, you know, just kind of hanging out free flowing and walking back and forth. Um, while I was in the shop, I did see a pipe that I wanted, but I restrained myself. Um, what I did buy was one of the maxi pocket jars. So it's like a double size pocket jar and I, and I hadn't seen those before. So I bought one of those and then, uh, to add to my collection, a, uh, the, there's still a few tins left of the Country Squires 50th anniversary pipe tobacco from uh, that was made by Sutliff. Um, so I picked that up. I restrained myself and did not buy a pipe, although I'm kind of thinking I should have bought that one pipe that I saw, but I was being a good boy. Uh, a lot of you came up and said hello to me, so thank you. It was great to see so many people. I think there had to be over 100 people there. Uh, from all from all parts of the country and Canada uh, of notoriety was uh, uh, Jeremy McKenna from Sutliff came in for the event and he brought 500 tins of a uh, special edition tobacco that they did just for the occasion of the final episode and uh, uh, Shannon from uh, Missouri Meerschaum was there so I got to hang out with them uh, once again, just a lot of people, and it was great hanging out with all of you. Uh, they put on one heck of an event, and I think we finally left at 7 o'clock-ish to go get some dinner. I went with uh, Ed and his daughter from uh, Dark Fired Leather. And then uh, everybody went over to a, uh, to a little microbrewery, and by the time we got there, it was only about a half hour left. Um, and then that was it. I uh, went back to the hotel room called it a night and uh you know enjoyed the entire weekend the next day got up and flew back home and got home sunday afternoon took a nap <laughs> and here we are back in the work week so uh just a a great event a great weekend well organized 
well attended. Uh, the $25 obviously did not cover near what the event cost them. And, uh, you know, just a, just a great way for them to, for them to end their, th- end their run and uh, a great way for all of us in the pipe community to gather and hang out. So, all right. In just a moment, Dan Croxel. This is internet radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us is one of those journeyman pipe smokers. You're one of the, uh, you're in that five to 10 year range. You've survived the trials and errors of the newbies you've burned your face off twice or three times and yet you decided to stick with it Mm -hmm. so please welcome to the pipes magazine radio show dan cruxel dan welcome to the show thanks for having me brian it's kind of an honor to be here yeah and if i slip up and call you danny or daniel or whatever it doesn't matter because it's all the same name you got like 14 versions of it so congratulations you can just call me Hey if that's easier for you. Well, hey, you. yeah. See, with me, it's just Brian or Mister Hole. <laughs> so, uh, so let's go back and get to know you. Where did you grow up? Why did you grow up? Have you grown up? And what did you want to be when you grew up? I I grew up in uh, Southern California uh, in L.A. and uh, and I'm not sure that I've fully grown up yet. I'm 46, but uh, I'm getting there. Uh, what did I want to be? I wanted to be a, a professional baseball pitcher um but that dream ended when i was about you know topped out at 510 but i did manage to play college baseball so that was that was cool but uh i I now live uh, in the sacramento area about 30 minutes north of sacramento on a rice farm which is kind of weird i didn't even know we grew rice in california until my in-laws uh are rice farmers yeah so my base uh, so our our lives kind of paralleled i was in the uh i was in the la area i wanted to be a professional baseball player until by age nine i realized i sucked <laughs> uh, well i mean it's it's a tough game if it was easy everybody would do it yeah yeah well i couldn't even you know i had to play park league baseball that way at least they had to put me in the game <laughs> <laughs> right everybody plays and gets a ribbon too yeah uh yeah in uh yeah, California is the second largest producer of rice in the world behind China. Right. And uh, most of the rice we grow in, in the northern Sacramento Valley is actually sushi rice. And so it supplies almost the entire country with uh, the sushi, the sticky sushi rice. And in fact, we supply a lot of uh, Asian countries that would rather not admit that they're using American rice. But uh, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's a lot of Americans that would rather admit that California is not part of the america so fair fair touche <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i just pick on you because i also know that yeah i remember the rice patty burns in september october and yeah, it yeah looked, those, those are history though they've been uh they've been done away with yeah so what it's, so you're growing up you want to be a baseball pitcher and then you end up in you're a rice patty farmer Right. I'm actually not a farmer. Uh, uh-huh. My in-laws are. I'm, I'm a law professor, so I, I kind of went the other way. Um, I'm kind of a nerd, so I've spent my life nerding out, and I ended up in academia. And uh, that's my gig now. So you teach sharks how to not bite other sharks. 
my students are great students. I teach them how to not be those lawyers. Oh, okay. <laughs> one of them that comes out is wonderful. <laughs> no, do not chase that ambulance. <laughs> I do. I do uh, jokingly sometimes say I'm the only lawyer I know that I like, but that's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, remember I had, you know, I know all the lawyer jokes, um, so we won't pick on those. Uh, but so, where do you teach? I teach at uh, University of Pacific McGeorge School of Law. It's the only law, uh, ABA accredited law school in Sacramento. Okay. And I teach a bunch of different subjects, but I think I'm kind of most known for teaching the world's first class on craft beer law. <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting little niche. My brother opened a brewery down in LA in uh, 2010, I think, when I was working away at, at a really large law firm. And asked me if I could help him get open because these laws seem kind of confusing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no big deal because, you know, I'm a big, big litigator. And I opened the book and I was like, what the hell are these things talking about? I mean, it's the most <laughs> confusing, archaic, you know, prohibitionist kind of laws that you've ever seen. And it's very, very difficult to navigate. So I left the big law firm, opened my own firm and just represented craft breweries for a while until I got this, uh, this, this gig here at, at the law school. So it's been an interesting ride. So there's got to be like a whole podcast in there on just craft brew law. Uh, craft beer law? Yeah, no, it's a thing. I mean, it sounds real small. And I remember interviewing for this job and, and you know, there's these certain subject matter that I have to teach, like civil procedure and professional responsibility, which, which I won't bore you with. But they asked me, um, you know, what else would you like to teach? And I'm like, well, I'd like to teach craft beer law. And they looked at me like I was talking about wiffle ball law or something. <laughs> but uh, it turns out it's a huge industry. It's super overly regulated as you might imagine yeah. and the 21st amendment left it to the states to to uh, control so each state has different laws and it really impacts a tremendous amount of areas like constitutional law free speech trademark law contract law it's it's a pretty uh much bigger area than you might imagine it's and beer is regulated differently than uh than wine or liquor so yeah. it's its own little baby yeah, I'm here in North Carolina where anything over 18% is considered spirits and therefore has to be sold by the state alcohol beverage control boards or the ABC stores. Yeah, the yeah. old government monopoly, yeah. <laughs> Promotes competition and, and consumer choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes it great when you've got you know city aldermen that are deciding what spirits will be in their stores. Um, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I'm just a short drive from South Carolina where they don't have that. <laughs> well, you know, there could be a problem with when you cross borders, you know, bootlegging. I'm just kidding. That's not that's not really a thing. Uh, no, that is a thing here. And oh, is it? Uh, yeah, and the uh, state laws, not California. Yeah, and the North Carolina alcohol beverage control cops will sit in the parking lot of the very large tobacco uh, liquor store that's right on the South Carolina border, count how much you're bringing back, <laughs> and then write down your plate and have cars on the other side on the highway to catch you. Ah, Welcome. because there's nothing more important for them to be doing. Unless you were, of course, if you were driving drunk, that's obviously a very bad and important thing. But if you weren't, yeah. why do they care? Oh, you're bringing too much in. You're having too much fun. We don't want fun. Fun killers. Um, I told you, prohibitionist laws, man. It's a, it's yeah. a very confusing, uh, archaic system. Uh, speaking of fun killers, how did you become the rare unicorn of a California tobacco user? Well, you know, that's an interesting <laughs> story. Uh, during, it was really during law school. Well, during baseball, you know, we all used to dip Copenhagen and things like that. But um you know, I gave that up. And then uh, during law school, my my study partner, Eric, great guy, but he was a, he was a cigarette smoker and we'd always study at his place. And, you know, the cigarette smoke kind of got old. So one day we started smoking cigars while we were studying and that transitioned into pipes because we had a really great, um, a great kind of tobacconist uh, store in a mall up here called the Briar Patch. Yeah. And we'd go buy cigars there. And, and uh, the, the guys who worked there got to know them a little bit. And, and they're like, you should try pipes, you know, and so we ended up getting pipes. Uh, my first one was a Leonessa Prince, uh, Prince um, just kind of a basket pipe. And uh, they started us off with a W.O. Larson signature. <laughs> and we loved that. But we were smoking that. And, yeah. and then we switched to Dark Star and we would do that uh, while, during study sessions. And, and that kind of stuck through, uh, through law school. And I kind of left that behind working at a big law firm and raising three kids and then woke up one day and I was looking for some baseball cards for my son in the attic and I came across my 
green Peterson spigot ADS. And this is right before coronavirus, before COVID. And it just kind of sung to me. It was like in uh, Pulp Fiction when they open the briefcase and the gold light shines out. I <laughs> found my old green Peterson, you know, ADS. And it just, I was like, oh, I need to go get some tobacco. So that that's kind of, there was a brief period. Well, not brief. There was about an eight year period between my first three years or so and to where we are now, you know, basically started up again, 2019. I'm, I'm kind of a once or twice a week kind of pipe smoker. Was there uh, was there a reason why you just I mean, besides that raising was it just raising kids and working professionally and being that busy that you just kind of put it away for a while? Yeah, I mean, I worked at uh, what they call Big Law, which is this giant international um, type firm, and we were just just so busy all the time, like twelve hour days, most days, kind of thing. There's really no time to sit back and enjoy anything like that. Um, and then I just you know you get away from the, ha- the from the hobby, I should say, and then it just kind of fell out of my my life. And then now I have two kids in college and, and one in high school. So things have slowed down a bit and allows me to, during the evenings, just to kind of relax, enjoy a bowl and, you know, kind of regroup for the night. Kids aren't young enough that you're going to put an impression on them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping not. I'm, I'm hoping so, kind of. My, yeah. my youngest son thinks it smells fantastic. So he sneaks out into the garage when I'm out there and, you know. Oh, you know, what's, what kind is that? And I'm like, well, you know, that's old Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Toby. I didn't even know he was young. Um, <laughs> all right. So you had that. So that one Peterson, was that all you had when, when you opened up the box and it was glowing at you or was there others still in there? No, I had a couple of Dunhills. Um, <laughs> I had a really nice Mastro de Paja that I still, I still have that. Uh, or is it Paja or Paja? I've always wondered. Paya. Paya. Okay, Master de Paya. Um, it's a Canadian with really good straight grain. And a couple of others just kind of here or there. And, uh, but it was, for some reason, man, it was that that ADS Peterson that just, I don't know, just jumped out at me and said, you better get back on the horse. I've well, always, you know, I've always been attracted to like classic Americana type stuff. I love old cars. I love old music. And I don't know, pipe, the pipe hobby kind of fits back into that. Well, Peterson was supposedly the pipe preference of Mark Twain. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I always thought he was Mr. Cobman. <laughs> I think he smoked everything. Yeah. Probably so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how do you get back started? Do you do you just start going online and then ordering tobacco yeah. and stuff and going, okay, oh, that's still around? Oh, wait, that's new. Yeah, so and I don't want to harp on this too much because everybody does, but I... I immediately went online to order a bunch of Dark Star <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> Oops. And I, oh my God, what the hell, right? And I freaked out and really bummed about that. So I, I decided I should go back to some of the other blends that I liked and, and kind of seller those relatively deep. So I got a bunch of tins of Escudo right away and um, spent some time looking around for McClellan blends. I do have, you know, five or six tins left, but not enough to, to sell or anything. So yeah, I just, I went with that and then, um, uh, Kind of got it. I was listening to your show and um, the Country Squire a lot, and uh, got some old Toby and some other ones like that. So I'm, I kind of uh, just explored it. And I, got, I think I was a little bit influenced by what I was hearing on the uh, on the podcasts. You know, try this one, try that one, and so I um, kind of sell other ones that I knew I'd like. And then I then I kind of started selling a little wider. And now I have you know various fun things to try, new stuff all the time. Last night I just tried the Savinelli 140 for the first time. I liked it. So we perfectly got into your head and took control of you. So with that, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll have more with Dan in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, 
like you, value the journey. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show talking with law professor. I can tell you're a law professor because you actually speak in complete sentences and, <laughs> and, and jokes and, and, you're, and you smile as opposed to a lawyer who wouldn't. So, uh, Dan, well, my, look, my students are awesome. I'm telling you, they come out and they're the lawyers that you like. Yeah. <laughs> or they've all taken the craft beer law class and they're drunk, so they don't care. <laughs> Well, you know, we're not supposed to drink in class, allegedly. Afterwards. Um, <laughs> your homework for tonight is to sample these six. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and then and then read the constitutional provisions regarding... Yeah, yeah. that doesn't work too well. Hey, listen, part of my, you know, part of my old jobs was to go home and smoke all these tobaccos and see what I thought. Guess what? Cool Some of them sucked. <laughs> right exactly I, I would imagine that's the state of craft beer right now too you, you, you gotta make really really good beer to compete these days it's a crowded mature market so yeah alright so in the in the hiatus or the uh, or the separation from pipe smoking now that you're back did your tastes change any way did you uh, you know have you have you uh, changed in the pipes that you like or anything anything noticeably different yeah, I think, you know, I'm more open-minded uh, to aromatics. I think in the beginning, um, because I was coming off cigars, I was I really liked really stronger blends, Burley, um, Latakia. I don't like either of those very much anymore. Um, but I, I, I now mostly, and it's kind of cliche, but I smoke mostly vapors and um, and kind of higher end, what I would consider higher end aromatics. Mm -hmm. And on the on the pipe side, I I dabble in um, artisan pipes, but I, st I still do have kind of a soft spot for for um, for factory pipes too. So you know, not too much, but my flavor, my tastes have changed in terms of flavor. Like most people, you know, over over years, you kind of have different preferences. Has your taste in tobacco or pipes changed because your kids are gone and you've got a little more free money, or? Uh, is it from information? It's from learning. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm a total nerd. So when I, like most people, when I, like I should say, most pipe smokers, when I get in, I, I um, kind of go all in uh, in my learning and uh, just read a ton, you know, listened a ton, all that stuff. And I think that kind of informed kind of where I headed with with the flavor profiles and stuff. So nobody's listening. Your family's not paying attention. Uh, right. How many pipes do you own now? Uh, 26. I have 26. If you don't count cobs, I think I have five or six cobs laying around. So I have about 26 pipes. Yeah. I think we ought to, I think we need to get a t-shirt that say cobs matter, but, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I like them for, you know, if I'm going to smoke like a heavy aromatic or something, um, you know, I'll start with that cause I don't want to ghost the ones that are, that I really like, but, uh, and they have their place, right? You give them away. I had a friend over for Super Bowl last night, gave him, gave him a cob. So that kind of thing. But you know, most of them are, are briars. I don't have a meerschaum. I'm weak there. And I don't have a morta. I'm weak there. But the rest of them are briars. Have you thought about meerschaums or mortas and just not pulled the trigger yet? I have, you know, from time to time. But I, I don't know, man. It's something about the classicness of the briar. You know, it's like like my taste in um, music and cars and alcohol is kind of a traditional guy that way. I, I suppose there's traditions to be had on the other two as well, but the one I'm most familiar with is the Briars. Yeah, and and I want to go back to the the uh, the geeky nerdiness because I think mm -hmm. we all are, especially yeah. I I'm envious of the guy that owns one or two pipes and has one tobacco, and that's his one go-to. I mm -hmm. have one tobacco, and I have to force myself to smoke other stuff, but I want to know everything about it. And I want to know everything about the pipes that I buy and variety in the pipes. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, um, uh, I, I think it's just our natures. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's really kind of the fun part of the hobby because there's so much to learn about. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, it seems so simple. Like my wife would never, will never get it, you know, and some of my friends will never get it. But once you get in, there's so much to learn, you know, different what's the difference between a P lip and a fishtail, you know, the system pipe, right? Different flavors, different notes. It's never ending. And it's, it's always entertaining. If it, if you enjoy it, it's just, you know, who's making what pipes, you know, what do they look like? What are the new shapes? All that stuff. It's just super fruitful. I, I just yeah. think the hobby is fantastic that way. 
So what's the holy grail, uh, you know, white whale pipe for you right now? You know, I thankfully I have relatively simple tastes. Um, my favorite carver is Neil Monier. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of his pipes. Actually, I like Yakano too. He's he's my other kind of favorite. Um, so I don't I don't have some super expensive. Um, you know, I, I don't need a Yes Conowitz or whatever <laughs> Sixton. None of that. Um, it'd be cool to have, but um, you know. So I, I just you know something simple, something American made. I really like. So kind of a Monier. I, I like Mark Tinsky. I have a few of his pipes. They're they're great too. So I'm I'm pretty under five hundred dollars ish. Yeah, is is that because of price point that you're concerned about going over, or is it just what appeals to you? Both. I mean, those things appeal to me. I, I do kind of like the more everyman type notion of side of the pipe smoking thing. I don't. I'm not really a Dunhill fancy guy, but also you know, I in my experience, and I'm not that experienced. You might disagree with me, but I think. Once you get to a certain level, if the drilling's right, you know, if it's a good piece of briar, in my mind, a $400 pipe is going to smoke as well as a $2,000 pipe. And I might be wrong because I don't have a $2,000 pipe, but it just seems to me that, um, you know, if, if you want to buy the name, great, do it. That's cool. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a Sixton Iverson pipe but or Bo Nord or whatever? But for me and my everyday you know, kind of enjoyment of it, I don't think that would have a huge impact on whether I was enjoying my Friday night smoke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turning it over and looking at that stamp on the bottom just is—it's uh, an expensive turnover sometimes, <laughs> right? I, and, I, and again, I'm not knocking it. I think it's great. And if you go and you get a fancy, you know, Jody Davis, Nate King, those are badass, and I'd love to have one. But um, you know, I just—I have three. Like I said, two kids in college and one in high school, so I gotta count my pennies here for a little bit. Did you have those kids sign a contract of support for their parents after they after you support them through college? <laughs> I didn't, but I think there's a verbal contract which is just as enforceable yeah. as a uh, as a written one that a lot of people don't know. But now they're great kids. I think they'd take care of me anyway. At least I'd like to think so. Uh, do you have any that are intending to go to law school, or are they all going to do real honest jobs? <laughs> Uh, I don't. They're not gonna. My son's into data analytics. He wants to be the guy from Moneyball. Um, oh, my wow. daughter's gonna do something related to softball because she she's a college softball pitcher. And my youngest son wants to be an orthopedic surgeon. Wow. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So they're gonna. Well, data analytics. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I mean, I have a master's in English. So I don't know what any of that stuff means. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's a set of numbers. I'm gonna analyze them. Okay, they're 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 numbers. Yeah, I like them. Okay, arithmetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, outside of pipe smoking, what what else are what are the other nerdy hobbies that you're into? I'm really into uh, old Volkswagen buses. I, just, I have wow. an old 21 window VW bus. Um, so I'm kind of. I obsessed about that the same way, kind of with the hobby. Um, so I, I love to take that to shows and work on it and all that kind of stuff. But we do, our family's real close. We do a lot of stuff with the kids. We go to all their sports stuff. Um, so that's kind of my other hobby. But And then clearly on the other side, I love craft beer. So I, I love a really well-made beer, just like a really well-made tobacco uh, for, for the pipe. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of parallels between those two industries and the kind of people that are in them around them uh, who participate in them and people are really looking at you know the artisan craft you know the the quality the hand the attention to detail done by hand kind of thing and I, i've seen a lot of parallels between the two industries as well so it's just really kind of goes hand in hand in my mind so why don't we go ahead and promote the uh the craft brewery that's in your family oh yeah el segundo brewing company down in el segundo california it's uh so I think it was the at one point the what well, was the second I believe in the during the kind of the craft beer resolution or revolution that started in around 2010 I think my brother was second in and uh, going strong man that's really good you can get it all over the U S they have a deal with uh, Steve Austin the wrestler uh, he <laughs> he uh, makes beer or is part of uh, he has two beer lines with us or with the brewery Steve Austin's Broken Skull Lager and Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA wow. Uh, how is uh, so is craft beer available on the internet or does that depend based off of state laws county laws and all that other gibberish because that kind of lines up with tobacco 
Right. Both of those things um, it depends on the state. You can you can get online and in many states you can't in others. I think a lot of states kind of loosened up during covid because these breweries are going to go completely belly up. So they started allowing a little more delivery. There's delivery services out there you can find if you Google them. A lot of them kind of operate in a, in a legal gray area. It's a little unclear about whether what they're doing is uh, totally legit or not. But, um, you know, so far so good. They're they're operating and running. So I suppose they aren't violating any laws. Yeah. And uh, the the. I do know that the uh, that the beer and wine industry follows very similar to what the old tobacco model used to be, where there was a manufacturer that then sold into an in-state distributor who had the licensing for that state, and their main job was to collect taxes for the state and then resell it, and then bribes would go back and forth to get your product onto the market and all yep. kinds of stuff. And then there's also the wonderful thing called slotting fees or pay for placement and Absolutely. yeah and the interesting thing about that that's probably in tobacco i don't know the tobacco law as well at all but the, uh, on the alcohol side slotting fees pay to play is strictly prohibited both federally and with all the states but it happens all the time, <laughs> happens all the time right so you can imagine someone looking to hawk a wholesale beer going into a pub and ordering a burger and a beer for 15 bucks and leaving a $500 tip, you know, with the wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh huh. So that kind of, you know, and sometimes they just blow it brazenly, you know, by gifts, stuff like that. It happens all the time, but it's, it's prohibited and illegal and only very few people can play in that sandbox. So it really hurts craft beer specifically. Yeah. Same thing with tobacco. So, mm -hmm. all right. So it's your turn. I told all you guys bring two questions of what you want to ask me. I'm an open book. Your turn, counselor. Fire away. All right. I guess the first one is, I mean, I know you always say that you're the leading expert on your own opinion, but I wanted to ask you, is it actually you or your wife? Oh, no. If I'm in the same building as her, she's the leading expert on my opinion. That's what I figured. Now, the longer we've been married, the more lenient she is with allowing me to attempt to have my own version of my opinion and <laughs> and espouse it. So I think that's one of the benefits to a long marriage is better known as she's gotten better at the the wifely eye roll, which is better <laughs> than the yelling and elbowing. I think they all go to the same school to learn the wifely eye roll because I, I get that same one, too. Yeah. 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 No, I was kind of joking about that, but I did want to get your insights a little bit on, um, you know, I, I kind of briefly mentioned like the craft beer re revolution uh -huh. and all that. And, um, you know, having essentially been asleep for eight years in between my, when I initially started in the hobby and then when I restarted, I don't know, I see a different energy. Uh -huh. I see a lot of young folks younger. <laughs> when I say young in this hobby, <laughs> I'm talking like probably below 50. But anyway, uh, people getting into it, people getting real fired up about it. I think about get piped and, and, uh, you know, country squire and all that. So I want to ask you, do you think, uh, the state of the industry is healthy, good growing? Do you think it's, um, what it used to be better, worse? What are your general thoughts on that? Funny thing is I just, I talked about this recently on the get piped podcast mm. and, uh, so, uh, so a couple things happened. One, Yes, there is a movement amongst younger people, but I think that's, uh, you know, for two, for multiple reasons. Um, the internet is a great way for young people to reach out and find out about esoteric, bizarre little hobbies. And two, we've just gotten older. So there's more younger people than there is older people. Uh, but the, in the time that you left us mm -hmm. while you were gone, the business learned, and this was something that I worked on heavily with um, uh, with the tobacco companies that I worked for, was converting the hobby from uh, converting the industry side of it, especially on tobacco, from a high volume, low margin item, mm -hmm. mass consumption item, mm -hmm. to exactly what it is now, which is more of a luxury lifestyle item that is now a low volume, high margin. Very similar to craft beer. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like with craft beer, you know, uh, before we started recording, I was telling you about my uncle that was a German you know, farmer, Marine. He used to drink, you know, he could easily put away a 12 pack of Meister brow 
or Coors Light was, you know, drinking a 12 pack of beer was not a problem for him in a night. But now it's gone from somebody that drinks a six pack a night on average to a lot of people are really enjoying getting home from work and having one really good craft brew. Yep. Or definitely more of a luxury kind of quality focused. Yeah. Now there's still plenty of people out there that are just, you know, diehard Coors Light, Budweiser, whatever. And that's great. Drink what you like, you know, but um, I think on the craft side, people are really, and it's part, it's a hobby, right? It's more of a hobby than a, than just something to drink, you know, to pass it to with your dinner. The, the craft side is, has all the little nuances that we love about this hobby, you know, and I think people are really getting into that. Yeah. And they can really, they can talk to the brewers. They Mm -hmm. can really find out more information about it. They feel better about it because it's something that is, you know, like you said, there's, there's, there's thousands of breweries out there. Well, if you go back into the 1970s in the pipe tobacco world, Dunhill had 12 blends on the market. Right. Yeah, I, I've seen catalogs from the 1970s, and if you took five or six big companies, they might take up 60, you know, 60 items. Right. Now you have Cornell and Deal that has, you know, 60 aromatics and right. 100 Burleys and 150 Virginia-based blends, and you're like, you know, but they're all slightly different. There's all right. It's like going to the grocery store. If you look at in the alcohol aisle, you know, and you look at the craft beer section, there, it's overwhelming how many different types there are. Yeah. You know, and to your point about the growth, I mean, in the 70s, um, there were 89 breweries, I think, at the lowest. And now there's 9,000 in the country. So it's kind of that that same type of thing. Yeah. Although I don't think tobacco um, brands are, are growing at that same clip. No. No, but it is interesting because uh, because the uh, on the pipe tobacco on the pipe smoking world, the knowledge base of the consumer is ten to fifteen times smarter than what the consumer was in the nineteen seventies. On average, they're more right. informed. They're more interested. So, with that, I think there's a good strong base of longevity, as long as you don't have. Um, government regulations that come in and say, "Oh, you can't smoke within fifty feet of somebody else's property." You know, right? Right. I'm sure that's coming. You know, I'm, I'm worried out here because we lost our, be- at least my favorite um, tobacconist in the Sacramento area. Yeah. I'm worried that at some point, California, being California, will cut off online sales and orders and things like that, which would, you know, I mean, I have my sellers relatively big. I'd, I'd be okay for a long time, but. Um, it would really bum me out not to be able to get, you know, sometimes I'm a sucker for those niche release niche releases. I missed out on anthology and it still pisses me off. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> uh, but Nevada is only what a two and a half hour drive away for you. You get a PO box there. Yeah. yeah something like that. Yeah. 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 All right. What's your, what's your second real question? Because my wife's opinion is that I talk too much. <laughs> I was just joking about that, but uh, so you're kind of out of the industry ish. I know you run the, the Las Vegas show. Um, but I was, I was curious if you miss that, uh, do you miss being like actively involved in whether it be sales or management or whatever? Do you, do you miss kind of having that official foot uh, in the business side of it? The real answer? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, we can either accept that as your answer or you could, you can give a little editorial on it. I can give editorial. I miss some of the people that I used to work with. I miss some of the people and some of the trade shows that I used to go to, but the industry part of it has become so regulated and Mm -hmm. so litigious that, you know, there's reasons why there are people that are lawyers that like to read laws and contracts and stuff. And there's a reason why I didn't become one of those soulless individuals. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> uh, oh, did I slip something in there? Uh, no, I'm just looking for my soul, and I'm not sure where it went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can. It's usually like the second year of law school when they beat it out of you. Uh, but <laughs> I tease. That's all. No, lawyers, please don't sue me. Um, <laughs> no, I just don't. I don't miss that part. I miss yeah the the creative part of coming up with new blends, playing with new tobaccos. You know, if I got to be, 
if I could hang out with Perry Jensen when something new comes in and get to play with the tweaking of it and the modifying and the figuring out what it is and what it works with, that'd be great. I'd do that in a minute. Yeah. But sitting there and saying, you know what, we can't switch can sizes or we can't switch the label material that we have and we can't fit your artwork on there because, well, that would require 17 filings. Yeah. Yeah, that old pain in the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so it sounds. I mean, you probably get your fill of the good stuff, right? The the relationships and the people and all that through your attendance at all the various shows. I, I'm sure that running a show is not the same experience, but you probably get to see most of your folks at those things and through your through your Zoom chats and all that. Yeah, yeah. I get the I get the reach that I want. Uh, there are some people, a few people in the cigar industry that I miss seeing, but you know they don't miss me. Because <laughs> uh, if they did, they'd call me. Uh, but I guess uh, you know could go the same way. I could call them too. Um, no, and and as far as the uh, running a show was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was a lot of fun to to sit there and watch it happen. And I'm sure fix. I was uh, really bummed to have missed it, and but I was really really glad to hear this overwhelmingly positive fallout. You know, afterwards, all the podcasts and everything. Everyone had a great time, and you guys did a great job. And I am planning on on attending this year, so I'll, I'll try to hunt you down. I'll be standing at the front usually. So. All right, <laughs> all right, Dan. We'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Got it. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, I have a Neil Monnier, uh kind of Dublin Lovat that I love. Uh, has kind of a white. I, it actually looks a lot like the pipe you were smoking earlier, but it has a Cumberland saddle bit, and it's just perfect. Light smokes great. I just love that pipe. And what is your favorite tobacco? Ones I can get, or ones I can't ever get again. <laughs> Overall, my very, very favorite ever was Dark Star, but in terms of what I can get, um, it's a tie between a Scudo and uh, Country Squire Old Toby. I, I, a really good aromatic with Perique. It's a pretty cool concept. And what is your favorite El Segundo Brewing Company IPA? Oh, how did you know I was going to say that? Yeah, it's definitely Mayberry IPA. You should go get some. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I had a hint. Uh, <laughs> I always thought, you know, growing up in the San Fernando Valley, I just thought of El Segundo as that place where the airport was and a bunch of other industrial buildings, and then you lived somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it it, it used to be a kind of a real blue collar uh, type town. Nothing in that area is blue collar anymore, but uh, that's why the the my favorite beer is named Mayberry. You know, it's like the Mayberry Main Street kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it was kind of an old school refinery town, but now it's just, it, it's expensive as you would imagine. Yeah. California. Mm-hmm. And finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Yeah. My, my very favorite memory was my friend. I mentioned my friend, my study partner, Eric, we, uh, finished our last final together. And of course, smoking is not allowed on campus anymore, but after our, our last final, we went out on this little grassy knoll. And it was about four in the afternoon and the sun was kind of perfect. And the, it was a Nirvana smoke, as they say. And I remember just sitting there going, I can't believe we finished law school and enjoying my green Peterson spigot ADS. <laughs> just really enjoying the time with, with my friend and reflecting on the craziness of, of law school. That's my probably my favorite one. Dan, thank you very much for coming on there. Thank you for taking all my uh, legal jokes with a grain of salt and um hey, you know i have a few uh you know travel uh travel type jokes i could throw back at you but i said not to yeah all right <laughs> you know those who what is it those who can do those who can't teach and those who can't teach should just do a podcast it's easier <laughs> right dan thanks again my pleasure thank you we'll be back in just a minute Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. 
with a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back, and I want to say a special thank you to Dan for coming on and uh, being patient with me and my lawyer jokes. As I listened to it back, and I must have been in a mood that day. That's all, that's all I can say, but Dan, you were really patient with that, and I appreciate it. All right, for music, uh, this one was emailed in to me yesterday, and it's from Tad, and Tad says... Uh, Hi, Brian. I was Googling some reviews of Dan Tobacco's Hamburger Veer Master and stumbled across this song. It has nothing to do with tobacco other than shared title and name. Regardless, thought you might find it interesting and maybe a music selection for the show sometime. I found it so interesting that that's what we're going to play right now. Uh, it's a song called The Hamburger Veer Master by Ronnie, and it's from a... Uh, it's from a German-titled album that I'm pretty sure means Songs of the Seas, so it's in part German and part English, and here it is. If moon Hamburger fear must sein, and a day, and a day, they must be so shape as den shippers in pain, and a day, you like that a song about a ship and the tobacco's named after a ship and it was sailing to sacramento where our guest is from so i thought it just kind of tied in nicely and um i'm not sure how you really get to sacramento in a sailing ship but i'm assuming there's a river somehow yes you have new mail and remember, if you have a comment or question, the best way to get it to me is to either email it to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or go on to pipesmagazine.com and post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, just like Dino does every week. 
And uh, going back to last week's show, Dino says, I'm not sure having someone commit to a $100 startup package and pipe smoking is something most beginners would buy into. There are plenty of very good new pipes, $50 and less, from Brigham, Dr. Graybo, Nording, and others, and nothing wrong with estates and basket pipes. Uh, John David's tobacco suggestions were delightfully presented and a good cross-section of available blends. I also enjoyed his answers to the not-so-fast, less-than-five questions. Uh, Rush is always a good musical choice. Ach de Lieber, it's Pachel Bell like Hanukkah, Pachel Bell like Hanukkah, challah bread, and Lachaim. I'm right with you on the rant. Thanks for another always entertaining show, Dino. And I am not pronouncing that guy's name anymore. I don't care, but apparently that was a big hit in music. Uh, and then uh, as Casey Ghost posts every week, he says it was another very enjoyable show. The Pipe Parts segment was an enjoyable venture into what you would do if a newbie came to you asking for advice. I thought the $100 needed to get started was a little high, but not unreasonably so. I think there are $50 pipes out there. But you could still get him started and maybe buy him a few more pouches of tobacco. Uh, John David is just one of the best guys for people to approach on tobacco pipes and accessories. His down-home way of speaking and the pure honesty exuding from his voice is just the ticket. Truly a great interview. It doesn't hurt that you have been on his show a number of times and have always enjoyed it yourself. Uh, his tobacco choices amongst the blends that most of us can get was very informative. I think his love of peas blends is great as I have the same feeling. I may have to try the Abingdon and Westminster blends he mentioned. Yeah, I really don't know how to pronounce that guy's name either, but what the hell. Love your rant. It was spot on. <laughs> Thank you. And I said, I'm not saying that guy's name anymore. Uh, and then uh, Guy writes, I'm listening to your latest episode of John David Cole. Nice gesture to invite him on a uh, semi-irregular basis. Sweet. Best guy. Thank you. And uh, let's see. Uh, the Bulk Vapors. Uh, Chris writes, Hello, Brian. I was listening to your latest podcast with John David Cole. I'm not sure if I heard correctly, but I think you said you didn't know any good bulk vapors. Not sure if this is what you mean, what you mean by bulk, but I can recommend, I can't recommend highly enough Watch City Cigars Old Dominion. Uh, the 25th anniversary Reserve Flake version is no longer available and it was not sold in bulk, but this is in a crumble cake format, is produced regularly. As always, thanks for the show, Chris, in, uh, in Vermont. And he wanted to help me pronounce that guy's name so thank you chris i will not say that guy's name anymore uh, and then uh, also uh, uh rick three wood says great show as always brian but lol asking a new pipe smoker to spend 75 on first pipe is not a great idea get in cheaply as he can feeling he has to smoke because he spent money makes no sense and takes smoking for the fun of it away uh arrow english says I loved uh, hearing John David's opinions on blends for different categories. Though I first smoked a pipe over a decade ago, I'm still quite the novice when it comes to figuring out blends. It's great to have recommendations from longtime smokers and blenders. As you might guess from my music, from my username, Arrow English, I'm trying to graduate to Virginias and Burleys as I prefer English aromatics and Englishes. Haven't found ones I've liked yet, but the search and the joy of searching continues. I appreciated the comments about tobacco reviews and describing notes and flavors. I've read reviews about often about and often hear about citrusy and grassy Virginias and nutty Burleys and have no idea how these describe what I'm tasting. I realize I just need more time to learn and detect those notes in what I'm smoking. Uh, in response to your question about why I'm not a podcast guy, I just never listened to them as I found I didn't, uh, I didn't have time for a 15-minute bowl a week, let alone a one-hour podcast. But after committing to get more physically active, starting with some modest walking, I found that to be an opportunity to listen to your show regularly and dabbling in others. I've listened to every episode since the Pete Prevost interview and have started listening to some back episodes. Finally, in contrast to one viewer's take that you and uh, Rick seem to be talking down to uh, uh, talking down about single malts and English blends, I appreciate how strong yours, along with John David's opinions on them, 
I think it's great to hear what people like and hate as long as they don't look down on others that like them. Something that I didn't find any of you doing. Looking forward to listening to more shows ahead, finding out more about your love for Disney, and hearing more about tobacco recommendations from others, especially from us burnt hair, burnt hair arrow lovers. <laughs> well, welcome aboard, and uh, smoke what you like. Uh, Renfield said, another great show. Glad to hear that John David will be checking in occasionally. As a lifelong Rush fan, I can only say that you choose well in your musical selection. Great lyrics, great music, great performance. Thank you. And uh, Trout Time said, really enjoyed John David. It was good to hear him expounding on tobacco without his annoying sidekick. Ooh. Um, I was sad his show is coming to an end, but I think we all understand that the, the demands it takes on a person. I look forward to his regular visits to the show. Keep plugging along, Brian. Your show is my primary pipe show, and I would hate to lose you, too. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, and then Honky Tonk Man says, uh, Thank you, Kevin and Brian. Great show, as always. JD is always a great interview and an all-around solid guy and knows his tobaccos. I need to try to get back to the States so that I can meet up with you guys tobacconists and pipe guys alike i really enjoyed the music it took me back to my youth when i was introduced to rush by a high school friend i was a new romantic i was i was a new romantic rush huh anyway it stuck with me um and over the years of course my taste changed i missed the old days my taste these days are very much uh eclectic which of course i'm thankful for uh however some of the shit that is produced nowadays leaves much to be desired. Thanks as always, Cliff. <laughs> You're welcome. And then finally, J.M. Smitty says, Brian, great show as always. I don't really listen to CSR as I have way too many other podcasts and books that enjoy listening to. But what a truly class act. Great to have tobacconists like Country Squire and many others still taking care of the pipe smoker. I wish them continued success. Yeah, and we'll, we'll keep. Uh, checking in with uh, with John David on a regular basis. Remember, comments, questions, email me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time. Are you looking for that rare or favorite tobacco? Are you wanting to sell those blends or pipes you no longer fancy? Then visit TinBids.com the pipe collector's auction site and begin your search. Browse our ever-changing selection of fine and elusive luxury tobaccos, pipes and smokers requisites and bid on items in an exciting auction setting. Visit us at tinbids.com and sign up for free today. tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. If you are traveling this spring and summer, here's a word to the wise. Are you ready? Um, bring your own. That's my, uh, there's my word for advice. All right. If you remember the days when you get on an airplane and you knew that they had, you know, the, the, the flight attendant would be you know, walking down the coffee, tea or me, or that was the joke. And you know, they had all the drinks and stuff and they had all the snacks and stuff. Well, now you can't rely on the airlines for that. So if you want a cup of coffee, like I like to have, especially on a flight that takes off at 11 AM, uh, you know what? Bring your own. Get your own in the airport, bring it on the plane with you, because uh, reliability of what they're going to have to serve is uh, slim and few and far between. Snacks, same thing, you know, anywhere from multiple snacks to one snack to no snacks to weird snacks. 
if you're hungry, bring your own snacks because you just can't rely on the airlines anymore for providing a consistent uh, experience in the air. And it varies from flight attendant, too. I'm pretty sure there are some that are just kind of phoning it in and they only want to do the basic items. Uh, same thing with hotels. All right. I rely on coffee. And if you want coffee made in the room, well, bring your own coffee maker. Or, you know, if you want coffee and, it, and it's important to you, make sure you stay right near someplace that's got coffee. Uh, it's just still reliability of things expected is way up in the air. <laughs> no pun intended, especially at hotels and on airlines. So just take care of yourself, plan ahead, make sure you've got everything that you need because you just never know when... You know, let's say you're traveling to a pipe show coming up and you want coffee and a snack and the airline doesn't have any. Well, bring your own. All right, there we go. Uh, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Remember, if you're a pipe repairer or fixerer or one of those people, uh, put your name on that uh, on that uh, pin thing on the forums. Thank you very much to Dan for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather surely you can't be serious I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs>